1: Let's go with rapid fire. Okay, so we're going to do it a little bit differently tonight. I'm going to explain the ground rules tonight. It's called sliding scales. So you'll start with a point total value of 10. You're going to have two different things that you're going to like slide your chips to, basically. It's (laughs) like I've got to slide some of my chips to this side, or you can slide zero, but then you've got to slide all 10 to the other side. You've got two options that you're going to divide it up. Between. So, for example, if I ask you if you had a good or a bad day, you might put seven points on the good and three points on the bad, you know, or maybe the opposite for that matter, you know, but that that's how it's going to work. So do you understand the ground rules? I do understand the ground rules. OK, it sounds like Henry does as well. Either that or he was <laughs> saying, I don't get it, but we'll see how this whole thing goes. So we're going to start with this one. Your confidence that Notre Dame will beat either Clemson or USC versus the Irish losing to either Syracuse, Navy, Boston College, or UNLV. So you've got to put, you've got 10, you got to slide some in one direction, some in the other. So which are you, do you have the greater confidence in that Notre Dame will beat either Clemson or USC or they will lose one of the other four remaining games?
2: For me, I'm going to put six points that they will beat either Clemson or USC, and put the remaining four that they would lose to Syracuse, Navy, BC, or UNLV. To me, I think that they—they they, well, nothing's a given anymore. But UNLV and Navy are games that I feel very confident that they will win. Syracuse, I feel like they are the better team. It just matters, you know, what what kind of team shows up. Do they play mm-hmm. how they played against North Carolina and BYU? If they do, I think Syracuse shouldn't be an, an issue for them. I think it, it'll be a great game overall and kind of. And I think that that's a very kind of even opponent right now for who Notre Dame is currently. Um, and, and I think BC could present uh, some issues as well uh, going against – and then and then why I have six against Clemson or U.S. for Clemson and USC that Notre Dame would beat them is because I really don't feel like that that they will lose to Syracuse, Navy, BC, or UNLV, but that there's still the opportunity or the chance. And I think, again, I said this on, on, on Tuesday, the most frustrating thing about Notre Dame is – they can go out and lose to Navy, but then the next week they, they could go out and beat USC. And I still think yes. they have a very good chance of beating USC um, if they play how they're supposed to. And that's really the, the tale of the story this year is if they play to their potential and get out of their own way, I could see them going 6-0 and and beating, you know, obviously USC or Clemson. And then at the same time, I could see them still losing to Navy or, or Boston College. Um, so that's where I'm going to put it, 6 on one side and 4
1: on the other. That's where I've got mine exactly the same as well. I've got my six on my six confidence that they would beat either Clemson or USC and my four that they would lose to either Syracuse, Navy, Boston College, or UNLB. Because again, when you've lost to Marshall and this Stanford team, you know, like Stanford traditionally, like five years ago, it would have meant something. You know, it, it, it wouldn't have obviously have been as bad losing to this team. But the Stanford of this season is horrible. And the Marshall of this season has turned out not to be a good team. It's a a 500 team, and Stanford's still sub-500. So the fact that they could lose to those two, it does mean they could go out and potentially lose to anybody. But at the same time, there is enough talent that, as you said, if they get their stuff together, I I, I do think they're capable of beating Clemson or USC. Now, I'm not going to go out on a limb right now. I just feel slightly more confident that they can beat one of those two teams then they would lose to the other. I mean, six and four, we're close to 50, 50, right? So it's not like we're saying we're completely confident in, in the win. but you know, like you look at USC, I think that they're a team that Notre Dame can out physical out there. And I think that, you know, their, their strength is, is passing the ball. And I think that Notre Dame can cover them, you know, from a a secondary standpoint. So I think that that can be a, a good competitive game. Like The game that might scare me the most right now is Boston College, just because of what I just said about Marshall and USC. They've already lost to those kind of teams. BC is not good, but because, you know, because to them especially, it's a rivalry-type situation. Boston College, Notre Dame, and you've got the Phil Giacobbic factor coming back in the door. So, like, aren't we just expecting the way this season has gone something fluky to happen (laughs) right off the (laughs) bat with that anyway? So, It can happen. I'm still slightly more confident that they can beat one of those other two teams, but I'm with you. Six on one, four on the other.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: okay how much of the rest of notre dame's season should be about the future versus how much should be about this year where are you sliding your chips now on this the future versus now
2: um so i'm gonna slide seven to now and three to future just because i think a lot of their future is kind of right now you know this team is already kind of considerably young, right? You have three running backs who are all going to be back next year. You have a quarterback that as obviously has time left, who is going to be competing again for another spot next year. You have wide receivers now folding into the action, getting a lot of um, experience. You have a very young safety or sorry, very young secondary. Um, I think where I would slide some of let's get, you know, some experimental and get some of these younger guys in is in the linebacker core, um, and, and on the wide receiver side, I think that those are areas where you could really you know see some development in kind of some of their weaker spots um, this year. so but I still think at the same time there's still a lot to play for. there's still a lot uh, of good talent on the team. there's a lot of good opponents coming up. and I still think you can have a very successful season at, at like an eight and four clip or you know potentially a nine and three clip if you run the table. those aren't bad seasons, you know, overall, compared to what they've been in the past that we're so accustomed to 10 win seasons, I think an eight and four, nine and three season for a first time head coach, you know, getting his kind of bearings. That's a good season considering Notre Dame also has the number one schedule in the country. At least if you don't want to say number one, top five, you can make a very, you know, that's a guarantee. So that's where I kind of lie on that seven, seven towards uh, still playing for now and three for, for the future
1: interesting comment stymie made the future should involve a new offensive coordinator so i guess 100 towards now and i mean I, you know i don't know what they're gonna do there you know i i mean obviously we know a lot of fans are disgruntled but i have no idea what they're gonna do there so i guess we have to assume that the current guy is going to be around um I cheated a little bit. I split one of my chips in half. So like you had seven on now versus three for the future. I went six and a half, three and a half, but still weighted to the side. You said mine is still more net. You can't give up on now because you have to send a message to this team. And you're still trying to figure some things out. As we talked about earlier, you're trying to clean some things up and cleaning those things up is going to affect your future. So you still have to do that. But that said, with a 3-3 and season right now and already on your number two quarterback, I would like to see a Steve Angeli package at some point in the future. I would like to see Steve Angeli get on the field for like a series per game, similar to what Tyler Buckner did last year. Now, obviously, his skill set is not to that extreme of Tyler Buckner. He's mobile, but not ultra mobile like him. I would like to see him. I do think you start. To, you need to start mixing in young guys, and I'm not say playing young guys and starting young guys and mass, but um, I do. Th- I do think that uh, you need to get some of those guys on the field. And Anthony says, "Way to put a dark cloud on the topic. <laughs> it's <laughs> like just just crap all over us and take away all of our hope." I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just. I mean, you know. He's there for a reason. And a lot of people were excited about the fact that he was here. And then you see the first half of the Fiesta Bowl, and everybody got even more excited. And then we haven't seen that guy since then. So I think a lot of people brought up a good point in the chat over the last
2: couple of minutes. And I would just want Notre Dame has just missed a dominant quarterback. Like, just, you know, Brady Quinn or, um, man, why is he Jimmy Clausen? You know, Jimmy Clausen. Say what you want about him. He still went to the NFL. He was still, you know, a a, a well-known name and, and just kind of – he was a good, you know, dominant quarterback, big arm. I just wish – you know, you can – I don't think Ian Book was that. So if anyone wants to say that Ian Book was, you know, this great – Ian Book was a very average to above-average quarterback. He was not elite. He wasn't He's was not even next level. up
1: for the Eagles right now. He's practice squad. Right.
2: I just – I want – that's – I just want a, a stud quarterback – At Notre Dame. And I think that's every program wants that. But if you're Notre Dame, you should be able to hit on one by now, right? Like, you should be able to – you're running through kind of your chances where it's like, well, we've consistently missed and missed, and that's a a trait of a school that, you know, doesn't have the presence that Notre Dame does.
1: I'm just glad that the Phil Dracovic chirping, because, like, you know, this could very easily be like everyone, oh, we should have had Dracovic and (sighs) – Unfortunately for him, this is this is not like, you know, I'm I'm not he has regressed, you know, like he he had a nice beginning when he went to Boston College because you know they let him do some things, but he is literally one of the worst power five quarterbacks in the country right now. And everyone was, you know, all upset and raving about him a few years ago and up in arms when he left and you know, all the all the gruntledness, you know, book and drakovic and everything else and I just, the quarterback recruiting has got to get better. But they've got this guy, C.J. Carr, coming in. Legacy. And, yeah, well, a a legacy someplace else. But hopefully – the name is a legacy. That's right. That's right. Hopefully he's the guy. But as Vince and I were talking about the other day, it can't just be C.J. Carr. They have to go out and continue to get high-level quarterbacks. It can't be like, okay, we've got Buckner – now we're going to get you know a handful of of three star guys to fill the rest of the roster. We have Wimbush, and we're going to get a you know three star guys to fill the rest of the roster. It's got to be you've got to you've got to keep hitting, pushing for four and five star quarterback types. And if one of them ends up transferring, they end up transferring, just like Ohio State or Georgia or you know Alabama or some of these other programs. You got to keep shooting high at that quarterback position. Let really good quarterbacks battle it out in training camp and in fall camp for those starting jobs. And if somebody transfers, so be it. I mean, it's happening across the rest of of college football. You can't go from potentially such a high level to to a lower level at your quarterback position. They've got to start making better hits and better marks at that quarterback position with their recruiting. I definitely agree. Okay. Okay. Next question. Your confidence in Notre Dame's running back room versus your concern about the wide receivers room. How do you split your 10 points on this one? Um I have a, a I put 8 points in my confidence uh
2: in, in the running back room. I think that that is their number 1 uh that's their best offensive position right now outside of the offensive line, but that's like a whole unit. You know, it's hard to hard to justify a whole unit, but position-wise they have three running backs that could be starters at any power five school. In my opinion, they all do a lot of things. Well, they all do a variation of things like estimate, obviously big power runner, but he's still good on his feet. You know, he can get the little twinkle toes if he needs to. I like the speed and elusiveness, elusiveness that Diggs has in the hole. He's able to get, you know, he's able to get up to speed quick and then also get back up to speed quick. If that makes sense. Like he, he can make a cut and get back up to full speed very quickly again. Um, and then, obviously, you know Tyree's ability; he's more the, the the pass catching, using him out of the backfield more. Being able to, he can he runs well. So I just their 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 running back room is very solid, and I think they're all happy, you know, with the the harmony and, and the the what they can kind of how they play off of each other, right? And and the fact that they can all kind of get the touches they need and succeed. Um, and then you know, it's very clear that there is a lot of concern, um, with the wide receiver room and just getting, I, I just think that they just need like a refresh. I would, if it were me and wide receiver, I, I would just almost be okay with putting out a lot of the young guys. Um, at this point and just letting them kind of their there athleticism. aren't that many young
1: guys so it's basically Meriwether you know
2: <laughs> right but just you know doing something to get new bodies in there I just feel like the people now they're not really they haven't shown anything right like there's no one in there that's like wow you you have consistently shown that you're able uh, to to produce at, at wide receiver so uh yeah I, I'm going eight running backs to two wide receivers
1: Exactly the same. But if Tobias Merriweather starts playing more and is involved in the game plan and and producing more, I can get this to, you know, close to even, you know, maybe five and five or even six to the running backs and, and four to the wide receivers. It really depends on that at this point. You know, it's we saw great potential with Tobias Merriweather. How much of the full offense is he really, you know, like how many full plays can he go without? you know one defense is knowing every time he runs out on the field or 80% of the time he runs out on the field he's going to be thrown to that gets pretty easy to figure out pretty soon especially after watching film from last week but if somehow Tobias Merriweather starts becoming a consistent playmaker i think it changes the entirety of the offense and and then you really do have a chance to beat one of those you know Clemson or USC like we were talking about but full confidence in the in the running backs for everything that you said it's great, great position of strength right now. Okay, Jess, we've, speaking of like Merrowweather, this is kind of tied into that. We've heard a lot about players needing to earn more trust in practice to get more game day playing time. So after a player gets game time and shows what he can or can't do there, how much stock needs to be put in actual game time that he has versus practice time? in determining future playing time?
2: You know, the hard thing is with this kind of question is, you know, practice time, there's five days of it during the week. So the sample size is much larger. So if you're consistently doing it wrong in practice day after day after day, then it's really hard to have the trust in you to do it. And then you get into the game and your sample size is so small and you might hit, you know, on one of those four or five plays that you're in it's because your sample size is so small. Right. And so it's, I, I take more stock in practice. And so I'm going to put six and a half on practice and three and a half in the game, because there's something said for people who are just gamers, right? They, they, for some reason they can show up and that's when they're the best because that's when the pressure's on and it's almost like practice is too boring for them or, you know, they just, they don't have the concentration to do it at practice, but when they know everything's on the line, they can do it. But because of what I'm saying, the, the the sample size, you have to put weight into it for that reason. And yeah. So if you're consistently showing four or five days a week that you can't do it, then it's it's that's why you're getting those small chances because you have shown you can't do it. But you're consistently showing that you're not if that it's 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 kind of hard to to put into words. But that's how that's how where I'm I'm coming from. Uh, so six and a half and three
1: and a half. Oh, I get what you're saying because you're getting maybe 10 snaps on game day, but you're you're getting- Probably a hundred snaps throughout yeah, the week. Yeah, at least a hundred snaps during the week, maybe. Or, you know, even if it's 50 snaps during the week, it's still a lot more than what you're getting on game day. But I guess, I, I guess what I'm saying is if you're proving it on game day and then you go to practice and, you know, isn't practice supposed to be about making mistakes and figuring out how to learn it? Like as long as you're- you know, as long as you're not making the exact same mistake over right. and over and over again, you know, like maybe you make a mistake and then you, you know, you get something figured out, but then doing something else, maybe you make a mistake. So it also I, depends I, on like what
2: kind of mistake it is. Like if you yeah, if exactly. you know what the route is, but if you're not lining up on the hash when you're supposed to be lining up on the numbers, then it's like, you know, the whole concept of where the play is kind of supposed to be going gets screwed up at that point.
1: Yeah. And, and I guess... Once you start showing up on game day, though, if you're proving that you can do it and you're not having game day screw ups, then I, I do think at least a little bit more weight needs to be put there. So I give it. What would you say? Did you say six and four? I did six and, a half, three and a half. six and a half, three and a half. I think I am. I think I'm six and four toward game. Because, again, we're talking about someone who's already playing in the games. You know, not not like he, he has to rely solely on practice to get to the games. He's playing in games. He's doing okay in games. Maybe practice he's not quite perfect yet. So I flipped around the other way a little bit. Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. Where are you going here? <laughs> five and five. I'm equal.
2: I think that they are the best. They are best win in harmony, right? I think – the, the whole reason Tom got going is because of Bill, but the longevity of Bill is only because of Tom. And so I think that those two are a split 50-50. I think it's just, it's in that one, it's like the chicken or the egg in my opinion. But like I said, Tom got good because of the system he was in that Bill Belichick brought him up in. But Fair. they had the longevity and all of the, the Super Bowls and the, the continued success because Tom's dedication to just being good and so they bill were great really because
1: they were together so. exactly
2: so that's what i'm yeah. going 5 and 5 right down the middle
1: yeah i i i slanted a little bit more toward brady i go i go 6 and 4 because of the fact that he was able to go to tampa bay and win a super bowl right away with with a guy who is already not coaching now bruce arians you know i think it shows who is running the show down there. Now all this latest stuff, I just there's there's just so much drama now that's starting to follow Tom Brady. It's insane. I mean, Bill Belichick, for what he's got to work with in terms of a quarterback right now, he, you know, he keeps plugging away and he's trying. I wonder how long he keeps plugging away, but you know, I, I thought they'd be a little bit better. You know, this Bailey Zappi kid though, he might end up being the answer that nobody knew they needed, the way it's the way it's worked out so far.
2: I still like Mac Jones. I think they're kind of having you? issues defensively this year compared to, you know, where they've been in the past that, you know, good solid defense, no matter your quarterback, you, you gotta, I think I saw a stat the other day, like the last five Super Bowls, the team, the defenses have ranked in the top like seven or eight, like you still have to have a solid defense if you want to go all the way. And I think that's kind of hurting new England as well. And obviously Mac Jones getting hurt. I still think Mac Jones can be a really good quarterback. So It'd yeah. be interesting to see because I don't think Bill Belichick uh, is afraid to play the guy who's got the hot hand and who's winning because that's ultimately, you know, what it comes down to. So it's like, when do you potentially reintroduce Mac Jones? Do you yeah. ride Bailey Zappy until he just kind of fizzles out? And if that doesn't happen, if he never does fizzle out, then you're facing kind of a, you know, much larger problem or situation at that point.
1: Yep. Okay, next question: How much you love your favorite teams versus how much you hate their biggest rivals? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I you, know, it's hmm,
2: hmm. This one's easy for the Cowboys because the Cowboys have owned their rivals in their division pretty much <laughs> the last five or six years. So that's true for for the for the Cowboys. I'm gonna go like eight and two, just because I really hate Eagles fans. I think they're kind of the worst out there. Uh, when it comes to Notre Dame though, I would say, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm up there because Notre Dame has been pretty successful in their, in their rival games of recent. Right. And so again, I'm going to go probably eight and two. I don't really get too caught up in the, in the rivalry thing. I, as long as there's winning, that's, that's the thing that I'm mainly concerned about the rivalry is just like an extra tag. Kind of on it for me.
1: Yeah, I'm nine and one. Nine to my favorite team, one for the rivals. I mean, otherwise, if if you have more hate for your rivals than you have, you know, love or whatever for your favorite team, it's what I call Purdue syndrome or Kansas State University syndrome. <laughs> it's like if more of your energy is focused on the other team than your team, it is misplaced. Just like Purdue fans, I think you know, exert just as much, if not more energy sometimes on hating Indiana, you know, or when Purdue and Notre Dame used to play football all the time, it was the same thing. They had like just as much hate for Notre Dame football and, and and other sports where they were playing as they did for their own team. And it's the same with Kansas state university and, and Kansas, you know, it's like they they spend so much time throwing hate at, at at the other team. They're much more worried about that than they are actually cheering for their own team most of the time. So I'm, I'm nine for my team one for the rivals. I, 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 just, I don't, I don't have enough time to exert that much energy on the others unless they get to the playoffs. Now, if they get to the playoffs, I'm then not it's a different that. story. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Last one. How much do you consider yourself a college football fan versus just a football fan in general?
2: Oh, so we're not even considering NFL. It's just
1: the whole football. No, I mean, that's part of like football fan. Like, so you've got just college football or I'm a football fan. Oh, oh, I'm. So like I'm a football fan is factored in, you know, the NFL is factored into I'm a football fan, not just a college football.
2: Oh, 10-0. I am a football fan just in general. I I think that both levels provide, you know, I'm not, I just can't understand the people who are, Oh, I just watch NFL only, or I just watch college only. I think that's kind of what you're getting at uh, with this question. Now that I, I, you've kind of explained it a little bit. So, you know, that's the, I just, like I said, I am just a football fan in general. And I know there's people who are just college fans and uh, there's people like, Oh, I'm just an NFL fan for different reasons. You know, a lot of college people say, well, it it just seems more natural. The NFL or guys, you know, are just playing for the money. And then there's the people in the NFL who are, you know, college is amateur and you just don't see as many mistakes. It's a cleaner product um, in the NFL. So for me, it's just I'm a I'm a football fan um, in general. And I think if I broke down, I would actually lean a little bit more towards the NFL. Uh, it'd be like five and a half to four and a half. Right. If, if it were that if that that scale. But with, with Notre Dame heavily
1: from. weighting your your college side of the equation, basically. Right.
2: Yeah. it's There's really no other college team that I care for outside of yeah. Notre Dame. Unless a lot it's just of people, a good, and I'm not surprised game.
1: a lot of people here are like down on the NFL. You know, we see them kind of chiming in because this is, you know, we're more geared obviously toward Notre Dame and college anyway, but I just, I just always like it, it, it hasn't mattered to me. NFL college. I just want, you know, like to watch good football, you know, like, like as far as college goes, like I'll watch a top 25 matchup or, or, you know, Notre Dame, obviously, I want to see good football. And now there's bad football in the NFL, but you're also watching professionals out there. And like just like I, I grew up watching both, and I actually grew up watching predominantly more NFL than college because of where I lived. I didn't, didn't live in this area, so I didn't have Notre Dame on every day like everyone has around the country with the NBC contract and all that. So, you know, I'm old enough to not have that. But, like, I just like to kick back, you know, like – one it's hard to watch other college games you know unless like it's a night game you know like unless notre dame is playing a night game because covering notre dame you know that consumes a huge chunk of the day so you don't get to watch quite as much whereas like sunday gets here man i just want to kick back i've got my sunday ticket i'm watching the nfl you know i'll flip it around watch whatever is on there so i just consider i'm 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 basically nine, nine on football. And and again, I'm not saying I'm one as a college football fan. I consider myself a football fan, which factors in both college and the NFL and even high school, for that matter, if it's a good game. you know.
2: Yeah, so. the number one thing that I think makes me a football fan is I just like seeing the evolution of the game. And it's never being played the same year. You got to be able to adapt. And that's what I like to see. What are these people? What are these guys' with new brilliant schemes? You know, what are they doing to kind of change the way that we look at you know football? Like this year, you see a lot of that kind of you know slot fade, where you got a, a wide receiver. It's the favorite route this year. NFL guys are using. You got guys, you know, wide receiver in the slot that's fading towards the sideline, and that's just you know, it's just interesting to see what the new wrinkles are. And that's why I like football. It's just it's it's constantly changing. And there's more. There's more things that are changing per year. Um, in my opinion. And, you know, Brian NY asked if, if Notre Dame was five and one, would it make you the, the success doesn't really matter. It's just no. quality. It and has good nothing to do with this games. year.
1: It's just, just like football, you know, in general. Yep. Good. I'll games. watch
2: every week. You know, if, if the Cowboys have sucked before, more so recently <laughs> than Notre Dame has. I've watched and a I watched, lot of
1: bad both Notre Dame and Dallas Cowboys right, football I'm still every showing game up over the years.
2: Every week, and that's you know because I love football and obviously because I enjoy – those are the teams that I like to watch the most. I get the most – I'll say this. I get the most into the Cowboys and the most upset about the Cowboys because at the end of the day they're professionals and they get paid large yeah. sums of money, and right. these college guys – you know, they're still amateurs. They still have a lot going on. They're still worrying about, you know, their girlfriend that was mad at them. And, you know, there's just so much more that factors in to being a college student compared to being an NFL where that's solely your job. And so that's why I get a little bit more invested just because of, you know, the status. I, I understand and have more acceptance for heirs at the college level.
1: Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. I do get more upset at the, you know, the pro guys, than the college guys the college guys are still trying to figure things out whereas the pro guys are getting paid a lot of money to be out there so all right well that's going to do it for today great stuff as always jess uh vince and i will be here saturday morning ib countdown to kickoff 10 o'clock we will have the show so uh that'll be our uh you know our next full show